Who can identify with the first part of that refrain? I don't, there's many things about tomorrow that I don't understand. You identify with that? <clears throat> but how many identify and hang on to? But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. We can catch the gist of that message. Indeed, it changes the life that we live. How many believe that in a few weeks we'll be celebrating the 4th of July? Then in September we'll celebrate Labor Day. How many believe in November we'll celebrate Thanksgiving? And how many believe in December we'll celebrate Christmas? We have confidence that those days will come if we're still alive, but we have confidence that that is a, a surety. How many believe with a surety that it is well with my soul and heaven's my home? Without a doubt, we may wrestle with what may come tomorrow, but we've already have the answer. I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. So tomorrow's not the problem, is it? The problem is my trusting and my believing that God does care and that he's actively involved in the life that we live. The mind is the seat of the intellect, the seat of the will and the emotions. It's where we feel and it's where we make decisions within our life. And it's also the place where conflicts we face in this life, it's where they begin, it's in the mind. The mind is the battlefield. The Lord, the flesh, and the devil are all battling for control of our minds. And why do the battles rage up there? Because we're told in Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As we think in our heart, in our mind, so that's where the battle is waged. Satan wages a war there. God is waging a war there. And the flesh wages its war there as well as a tool of, of Satan. But they're striving for control of the mind. Striving to get you to think whatever it, whatever it is that they are wanting you to think. And the battle is waged there. You're the ones that make that determination as to what it is that you will dwell upon. And you make that choice within your life. We're reminded in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10 
verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in the Lord for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive into captivity to the abundance of Christ. That's where the battle is waged. It's not a physical warfare. We get that impression because we live in the flesh. We get the impression that it is a physical war that we're waging. The flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we, we got that battle going on. And we need to have that understanding. That battle is being waged. And Satan is trying to pull down what we have in Christ Jesus. Trying to have us cast doubts about whether we are really who we think we are. And are we fully convinced of who we say we are? And do we have a surety that we're walking the path that will be found pleasing in the eyes of God? And Satan wants those little doubts planted in your mind. He wants those little thoughts to prick your heart and to cause you to rethink. How can you think that you're a child of God? You know what you thought about this morning? How can you think you're going to heaven? You know what you said when no one was watching you or no one was near you? How can you believe that God cares for you? You know what you've been thinking about, dwelling on? Satan wants those doubts planted there to cause us to lose confidence in what we have a surety of. We sing it. I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. It doesn't matter what the future holds. It does not matter what the future brings our way. It matters not the trials, the tribulations, the distresses, the persecutions, and whatever else it may be that may come our way. I know who holds tomorrow. And I know who holds my hand. That at the end of this life, do you have that assurity? Are you going to hear that? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Paul would tell the Philippians and the Ephesians, excuse me, the Ephesians and Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. You talk about what we call the Christian armor. Put on the whole armor of God. 
that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You leave any part of it out, and you're susceptible to an attack. You need everything that God provides for you to help you to stay where you need to be. You're going to walk through a world that is as physical as it can be. You're going to walk through a world that is as tempting as it can be. You're going to walk through a world that is just as alluring as it can be. Enticing. Just a short detour is all that's being asked of you. Just pause for a moment and enjoy this part of life. Don't worry about having to answer for what you've done. After all, God's a loving God and he will forgive you. So the temptation is there and it's constantly there as you walk through this life. And it doesn't cease. As we get older, we think we may have it made. And it's always a trial that is there. Mentioned many times that a good friend of mine that was in St. Louis, a preacher, he was in his mid-90s preaching. And as we talked together many times, we talked about the same concern. It bothers me or it concerns me that I could live my life as a child of God, be faithful to him, and somewhere towards the end of my life, I can let something small divert me away from the love of God. Something small. We've seen it happen so many times with those men and women that we've known, those who stood strong for the faith, and then who allowed popularity, who allowed pride, who allowed whatever it may be to pull them down. And they departed from the truth of God's word. Do we forget what we read? Do we forget what we sing about? Putting on that whole armor of God. Realizing we're waging this war in our mind. And we're striving to the best of our ability to bring every thought captive to Christ. That's the challenge. To keep our mind where it needs to be doing the things that God would want us to do. Paul, as he was writing to the Romans in the 12th chapter of that book, and do not be conformed in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good and appropriate and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the world. And that's the challenge. Living in this world, but not of this world. 
It's a challenge not to conform to this world. And the pressure is always there. It's seen in a lot of cases. Individual, excuse me, individuals, again, who have stood strong for the cause of Christ by their association with those who did not stand strong for Christ, for those who held different opinions and different beliefs than what are taught in the Bible. And because they were good people, had good moralities, had good practices in their lives, to reach a conclusion that surely it's simply because they were not strictly following the scriptures that God would punish them, that he would overlook the teaching. Don't be conformed to this world. We live in a world that is constantly challenging us to want to be true to God's word. You need to be tolerant of every group of people that's out there. You need to be assured as well that those who make that statement, deep down in their heart, really do not believe that. They want their beliefs to be accepted. But I promise you, There are people out there that you would not want to have the freedom to do what they want to do. That's why we built institutions for restraint. They're there. You hear him push for the one, then you hear him push for the other. You hear him push for another, and you hear him push for another. Well, they want you to be tolerant of them and their beliefs. They want to be able to say what they want to say and to do what they want to do, and you not to have any recourse to them. But they do not want to give you that same privilege, that you can believe what you want to believe, and you can say what you want to say, but they want to have recourse to what you said. I'm not going to accept what you said, but I cannot tell them that I cannot accept what they say. So the world is trying to conform us to its way of thinking. And there's a battle that's there and needs to be waged. We do that by the renewing of the mind. We need to be transformed. If any man is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're this new creation. And as with any new creation, you have to constantly reaffirm and guard the mind. Whatever it is, in the physical life, it's the same thing. As the baby begins to grow, they have to be constantly be taught and be reminded what they say, what they do, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And so it is true spiritually as well. There are rules, there are regulations, there are restrictions that indeed God has placed upon us. And it's not up to us to make that change within our own lives. Paul, as he wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 4, 
and in verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. Catch that renewal. Take hold of the mind. There's where the battle is being waged. Renew that mind constantly with the word of God. Constantly meditating on his word. Psalmist said, it's my meditation all the day long. From it I learn what is right, what is wrong. As I read and see what he's saying. And that's what we need in our life. Again, I know it's a long psalm, but Psalm 119 is always a good one to read through. Because Psalm 119 deals with the child of God and the Word of God. And as you read through that, that's what it's all about. It's the child of God and the Word of God. Almost every verse has that thought in it. I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day long. Through it I gain precepts and understanding. I understand what the will of God is. There's our hope in making that commitment that we want to be indeed who it is that God would have us to be. And Peter would remind us in 1 Peter. Chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up your mind. Shore it up with the word of God. Have an assurance that at this revelation of Jesus Christ is just as fact, factual as the 4th of July coming. It's going to come. We may not know the day, we may not know the hour, we may not know the year, but it's coming. Today God has promised to bring when he brings this world to an end. So shore up the mind. We never know when that may be. We never know when the end of our life may be. So there's that, that constant renewal to, for us. That we can be who we ought to be. And do the things that God would have us to do. Rest your hope. Upon the grace that is to be revealed. Have confidence in who you are and what it is that God would have you to do. Again, that's why Paul, as he's writing to the Philippians in that fourth chapter, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I will say, rejoice. Rejoice. You are a child of the living God. 
You've been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb. The Spirit has been given to you as a pledge, down payment of what's to follow. His Word has been given to you to guide you through this life. There's not a thing that you face that God is not able to help you to overcome and to deal with. So why can you not rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I will say rejoice. What is there about life that can pull you away from God? Understanding that whatever it is that you face, he has given you the strength with which to face it. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And God will not, love that, God will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. That's a promise God has given. So whatever it is that you face, however dark it may seem, however long it may appear, however devastating it may appear, God has promised you he will not tempt you or allow you to be tempted above what you are able to bear. But with every temptation, will provide that way of escape. And oftentimes that's the battle in the mind. I dwell on the one, the battle, without dwelling on the source of the strength. And when I dwell on the battle, I believe the battle's intense and I'm losing. But when I dwell on the strength that I gain to fight the battle, then the battle can be won. I'm dependent upon God to help me in this life. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Watch the life that you live. God is at hand. He's aware of what's going on. Put your trust in him. Be anxious for nothing. One of those easy verses to read. One of the more difficult ones to apply. Be anxious for nothing. What are you going to be anxious about? Being anxious doesn't change anything. Well, it does. It can change your health. It can change a lot of different things along the way. But it doesn't change the situation. Where is your trust? Where is your source of strength? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Powerful little verses there, written to encourage us as we live this life, to remind ourselves, we see with the physical eye, we perceive with the physical mind, We anticipate with the feelings of the physical body. And we forget the spiritual. God with us. Helping us. Uplifting us. When the knees are weak, he is the one that upholds us. And we may not even know it, but he's always there. 
Will we put our faith? Will we put our trust? Will we put our hope in what he's done for us? It's always a sad song to sing, the invitation song. Because we're singing among Christians usually. And the thought that there could be a stranger at the door of your heart knocking to come in. And the song says, let the stranger in. Prayerfully, we've let Jesus in. But sometimes we allow the world to begin to choke out the Savior. So as we look at our lives, as we reflect upon who we are and what we need to be, as we sing that invitation song, if you have a need, and if we could assist you, if we could help you in making a life right with God, then indeed we would bid you to come as together we stand and sing.